0: Alright, so we're live, guys. Hopefully everyone can hear me. Can someone confirm they can hear me this time? Or yes, am I screwed no, you, again?
1: You're, you can be heard. You can be heard.
0: Yep. <laughs> it's, Finally, yep. my voice was... Someone killed my voice the last time. Oh, I gotta fix Jake and Brandon. Oh, maybe I'll leave it like that. That's what Jake gets for joining like two minutes before the call. I'm oh, like, sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna join.
2: Sorry that I was helping I'm another ju- of our uh our teammates. Uh, get their report into delivery you know shape. sorry Sorry for doing priority, my job
0: you, got, <laughs> you gotta have your priorities alright, this show is I, more important than any customer work that we do
2: I have a priority and here it comes
0: Unless unless Sean, our owner of a company is listening, then that was a joke <laughs> <laughs> I see Alright, so I see what you we have with us Yep, we have IPsec with us, we have Many dots, horse with us, Jake, and we have Brandon with us, Tech Brandon. I don't know if it's really Tech Brandon or non technical Brandon. Um, <laughs> we may have to update that. Tag. It depends
1: on the, J. but
0: yeah, yeah. So, we actually have nothing to talk about because our host, as you know, probably noticed, is not here, Danny. He decided to take off and go hop down to some beach and relax and then made up some excuse about his uh, wife having a car issues or car problems, you know, we, we just can't trust, can't trust Danny. You can't rely on him. It's fine. <laughs> I see how it is. That's that's why we have so, multiple uh, hosts. <laughs> oh, it only works when you have, yeah, you have it, multiple hosts only works when you give them like, Hey, this week I need you to host not, Hey, it's five minutes before, uh, do you want to host? Because uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you haven't figured this out yet. We, we just said we've been
1: doing this almost six months now. So, and we obviously still yeah, but every-
0: don't know what we're doing. But welcome. Hey, Jake, you want to adjust your camera? Your head's getting cut off.
2: No, nah, I'm good. It Nobody needs to be top the of okay. There's yeah. nothing up there to, you know, to look at anyway. All right. it's all
0: good. Let's so talk what are you, guests. So what do you, yeah, what do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to talk about, Ip? bring up let's see if we can bring a topic up
3: happy talking about anything i mean um defcon's coming up unfortunately i won't be at defcon this year um Mm. any of you guys going or me
0: too no not this year next year probably be my last year i'm gonna probably go and then i'm gonna retire from defcon um being a couple years is i don't really like vegas yeah so it don't help that F-Con is there. I get, used
3: okay. to go a lot, but I don't like large crowds and I also don't like the heat. So Vegas and August with DEFCON, it's like.
2: <laughs> That's the thing yeah. that gets me is Not like, a... yeah, August and Las Vegas.
3: That seems
2: like a bad combo to me. So, yeah.
0: Well, you got that and then you got to worry about anyone who's going there to uh, do something stupid and they have to deal with that nonsense as well. Where the oh we're gonna spoof a cell tower or we're gonna do this and that and then now now you have a phone that have no signal or no bars on it until someone decides to uh, cut that out. And it's like yeah. Is know.
2: there is there a pool you? open on how long before the 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 sphere gets compromised in oh, some no. way? There's gotta be a there's gotta be somebody doing a pool, right?
0: It's so hard to tell though. I mean Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like a federal crime too. So like, good luck with that. Um, so whatever. (laughs) The other thing we've been talking about this week is, um, now besides Defcon was, uh, home labs, uh, not sure you if you set up home labs or use home labs a lot, but considering your videos and some of the stuff you do, I got, I kind of imagine you have a pretty decent home lab.
3: Yeah. So, um, I do have two old Dell servers in the basement that's just racked up. Um, I'm part of the VMware user group, so I get like a license to VMware and have Horizon mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff set up. And um, I do a lot of Ansible, so pretty much all my labs are temporary. Yes. Like I'm known for just deleting labs when other people are working in them that use my lab. They'd be like, oh, like we're building That's... a challenge, and like I, I was putting something on them. Like, well, did you put it in the Ansible playbook? They're like, no, I was testing things out. Like. Well, sorry. Um. Well, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what backups? Yeah. We don't have backups. I'm not, I love Ansible though. I'm not known. Like, for like I use Ansible to configure all my laptops and everything, all my desktops. I just use Ansible and call it a day.
3: Yeah. I just started doing it with um, the VM I use for my videos and stuff. The parrot instance. I have a playbook on my GitHub that people can use and uh, get identical to what they see in the videos. Um, I mainly did that just because I was so annoyed at myself screwing up my Python repository on my box. Like yeah. I had four versions of CrackMap working. I'm like, I don't know which one works. Oh, I have to use CrackMap with Python 3.11. That's not default on this. I'm like it's time to rebuild. And this time let's just script it out and do the right thing.
2: <laughs> Is that the, uh, yeah. I mean, the repo? Is that the one that I just yeah. dropped in, in chat? Yep. Cool. Grabbed at the right one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I only started using Ansible because I got, like, I'm paranoid, so I'm always thinking someone did something to my laptop or installed something or, you know, I don't know, I'm just paranoid. So I like to install my machines every couple of months, and it's just annoying to install the whole OS, install all your tools, configure everything you wanted. It's just like, nope, pop in a USB, install the base system, in the Ansible, boom, run.
1: I don't know. I yeah, think it's. I think it's kind of fun to just pop into like an old Cali box that I provisioned and trying to troubleshoot why I can't log in, and remember the password, and then yeah. like is CrackMap on that or what? What did I? What did I download? Is is? Uh, do I have Git set up? I
0: have no idea. <laughs> I mean, have see that idea always of bothers off, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I always want to put the passwords in the notepad, but I know you're not supposed to do that. That's really bad. But it's like it's a home lab. Does it really matter? And I kind of argue with myself, like, should I just use the damn description to put the password in? And I don't know. Like, what do you what do you guys recommend? Like, I keep going back and forth on that nonsense. And uh, it's a constant. If you use the thing. same
2: password on everything, then you don't ever have to Yeah. That's what I've learned working in this job. Just use the same password everywhere.
1: Yeah, or yeah. uh let, All right. Anyone besides Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, let Moose in chat it says uh Physical book, which it's not bad. Uh, I mean, I've probably got some passwords written on. Actually, I do right here. There you go. You want a password? Yes, password.
2: <laughs> as much it's as, a stick, you know, card. not a book. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's this. St- okay, I don't have a book. Are you like an admin from 1990s with a sticky pad on your desk and around your monitors with all your passwords? No. Is that what this is? Uh, so what else you been working on uh yep anything else anything else fun besides uh making your content videos
3: Um I've been doing a lot more just automation and um mainly ant- like my last whole month has been ansible because I'm building like the red team village lab for Defcon So oh um, wow. a lot of that's going to be done in ansible and we're doing it like a template so after the con I can repurpose it and use it for other things so not like it's a A ton of time that's going into it, but hopefully I do things correctly and can actually reuse my work. Um, it's like the 10th time I've said this where I've always started a project. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to do this the correct way. And then it's going to get down to like August 8th. And it's going to be like, Oh, we have to get it done in two days. Like, okay, now it's not going to be the correct way. I'm going to screw everything up. I know that's going to happen. That's what always happens. It's good intentions start out. And then, uh, chaos comes in and have to figure something out. um, the other thing I'm working on is I want to I'm going through and trying to figure out a good way to do a bunch more like introductory videos um just breaking out topics that were in my videos. So for people that don't know me, I'm IPSEC. I do a lot of CTF videos, but my videos are generally going to be probably 60 to 120 minutes long is the average now. So a bit too long for a lot of people's like attention spans. So I've been trying to take concepts I do in the machines and then Put it in its own separate video and try to find a way to organize
0: it. Um. And, and you go pretty deep and technical in your stuff. So having a nice intro video probably helps some people get up to par with some of the um, technical um, flow, um, technical aspect of what you talk about. Yeah. Because I, I mean, there's a ton of like I, I see a couple of his videos and I've been overwhelmed sometimes with the m- amount of data that he just throws out there. Well, I have a short attention span. (laughs) So a a 60 minute video is a a big commitment. I have a hard time watching a 60 minute TV show. Uh, So that's hard for me. But then I go through it, I'm watching it, and just like, wow, you go, like I always wanted to make videos like that. And then I wake up and realize uh, I'm not that good. (laughs) I'm not good at making videos.
1: Uh, I was just thinking about this earlier. Um, Sorry, Jake, Um, I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, I was just trying to do like a quick and dirty, like playing with. um, So like our next next week, I'm going to try to do some live demo stuff on stream. And so I'm attempting to prep for that. So basically, I'm trying to do it off stream and at least kind of take notes. So I'm assuming that with every 60 minute video you've put in probably tenfold that ahead of time in somewhat preparation for, like, all right, let's make sure that we get these commands right. I need to make sure I've got the tools installed or whatever, right?
3: Uh, It used to be that way. I think I've done it for probably three and a half years now, maybe four. Um, And as long as the box isn't, like, insane, I typically just kind of wing it. And I found out a lot of people started liking that. Like, if you go to my early videos, I rarely will make a mistake. Now are the times, like, That's why my videos are probably 15, 20 minutes longer because there's just me making mistakes left and right. And I get comments that people enjoy that. I get comments that people don't enjoy it, but because it's less work for me, Mm. I just keep doing that. (laughs) Like I could go back and like uh... edit out five minutes of me fumbling because I made a typo somewhere. But um, I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to doing any type of security testing is you're going to make mistakes and it's all about reading the error message and knowing how to troubleshoot it because um even like the most simple things like an active directory golden ticket attack i probably wouldn't get the command right the first time even if you told me all the options i have for it i'm just going to fumble something and be like why didn't this work and it's always going to be something stupid so knowing how to troubleshoot when things go wrong i think is one of the most important things
0: then i think it makes it more realistic and more like like this relatable in my opinion seeing someone go through the same thing like oops I forgot to put a space here or I forgot I mistyped something and it's, you know, reverse characters or whatever. Like, I don't know. I I feel like that just makes it more realistic and more approachable to actually just get into this and learn more about it. Versus you see those, like, that perfect, like, oh, wow, this was done perfectly. And when I try to do the exact same thing and follow through, I get an error and be like, what the hell did I do wrong? Oh, I don't know. Well, let me go and debug it for the next Three days figure forgot what the hell's going on here and,
2: well i think too like it also shows one of the most important skills which is persistence and not like yeah. try harder you know but like just just because it fails the first time doesn't mean that like it's never going to work it's you know there, there was a small error somewhere take yeah. your time be gentle on yourself you know so yeah i love it
1: it also it shows... shows yeah i'm not it's like a common error right? you know right like so If IP did it, then the person that's attempting to follow the video saw the exact same error message, and it's like, oh, okay, that's what that error message means. So now, when I see it next time, I'm going to realize that I flip flopped my IPs around or whatever it is, right?
0: Yeah, and then knowing, and I'm not a big. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say I'm not a big fan of try harder either. I'm not like I get it. It's just like it feels like when you ask someone something like, "Oh, I I ran into this issue," but try harder. You son of a bitch. Okay. (laughs) Uh, that. <laughs> Thanks. That's all.
3: Yeah, I think it's also important to know like the whole keep it simple methodology and knowing commands that almost prove something. Uh, it was probably a couple months ago I went came across like an SQL injection. And I was almost positive it was SQL injection because as soon as I put a single code in, I got an error 500. <laughs> um, it could have been like a web application firewall or something, but I was somewhat confident that this was SQL injectable. And I kept struggling, and I found out the reason why I couldn't do anything is because they used um, Pydantic, which is going to be a strict typing thing. And it, hmm. um, only, like, it's a filter on input and output, and commas were not allowed. And almost every SQL injection payload, like a comma is a very annoying character to work around. I eventually found a way to get around it, which is always funny because like you ask Chat like, can I do a union thing in SQL without commas and chat like no? And then you go to like hack tricks or something, kind of read around and you're like, Oh, you can actually work around it this way and then find it. And then you go tell the client and then they're like, Oh, we had someone come in like two years ago and this, they found it, but they just said it was a false positive and Cloudflare blocking them or something. Um so it's always just fun, like yeah digging in to figure out exactly why. And when you get that, like, known false positive, it's like, I know Cloudflare isn't going to block this single quote and then a comment character. So I can't use anything with it, but I know I'm causing an error somewhere. And then you just look at why, and you're like, okay, every time I do this comma, this is why it's happening. And then try to find a way to get around that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this... When at my last company, I used to help try to teach people about secret injection, and it's just surprising that up today, up to up to now, secret injection is still a major problem in applications. Um I mean, I get it. there's some sometimes it's a little bit tricky to understand it, but I mean, basic stuff like prioritize your queries, do some like um, health checks, don't take input from users as um, safe, like the sanitize things. I mean, it's really basic stuff, and you can get around... Mo- like, it becomes really hard to then really um, inject some of the stuff unless you're really going after and doing some type of encoding or some type of, um, you know, doing something a little bit more, you know, encoding aspect and changing character sets and all that stuff. But then, I don't know. It just amazed me how that's still a big thing up to now. Because I remember when it came out, what is it, 20 years ago, the... The organization came out with, and it was like number one or number two. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah.
3: It's still there. It's a lot lot. less popular nowadays. Um, But I think with most vulnerabilities, the people, a lot of people mistake is they go straight for the complicated thing. Like for an SSTI, they try to like ex-fill something instead of just trying to cause a crash. Like as soon as I see a crash, that's what makes me the happiest because I know, okay, I have some behavior. Now I can start digging into it. Whereas if you just try it, like ssti payload off payload all the things or something you copy and paste put it in doesn't work maybe it just wasn't the um ginger two it was something else like twig and the payload had be tweaked slightly instead of uh, doing a simple payload that would crash the web server crash the thread so you see the error message um it just goes silent so i like just always causing those errors i mean there is the flip side right if it's a red team engagement or something like that. And you do it on an internal app and they have some type of logging chances are like an error 500 in a log may set off some alarm bells. Um, You'd probably be surprised at how many times you find an organization does have logging and you set off those alarm bells and they don't ever read the logs. So you're still good, but um, that's always like a gamble, right?
2: I would not be surprised at all of of them (laughs) not reading the
0: logs. No. Well, I mean, you don't have to read the logs. Just get a sim and ingest it, and set up your rule prop, your rule sets, and it can kind of do most of the learning for you. If you don't want to go through your logs and do a deep dive analysis of it, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, like, companies I, ignore antivirus alerts all the time, so <laughs>
3: they're not I gonna like know when, what to do with the five hundred. Yeah.
1: Jeff put in chat that the uh, the hot takes the only detection controls companies have by default is broken production systems. <laughs> So you throw enough errors and somebody will pay attention?
2: Eventually, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, broken production systems or something, something is causing a bottleneck in their revenue stream. Hey, we didn't get paid this week. What's going on here? We need to look into this. I mean, at least that's the experience I had in my, when I loved my former companies. Is That's the only time anything ever made it insecurity as priority number one or within the top 10 when it affected the bottom line. Yeah, that's true. Other than that, it's like, eh, don't worry about it. Nice, oh, but we have sensitive data and they could take it can get all like, well, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's okay. And that's also like... Rule the... that's...
2: Oh. I was going to say the A in the CIA triad is availability, yeah. right? So that's,
3: that's important. <laughs> and that's also like rule number one when like implementing any type of advanced filter, like a web application firewall, never set it to block first, always put it in some type of permissive mode mm-hmm. so you can see something. I mean, unless you don't want the WAF in your environment because the quickest way to never do anything security is install something, have it take it down, and then um, the CEO, whoever sees, like, oh, we're never going to do this again.
0: <laughs> like, Or understand. they just set it, it, they set it up and leave it in training mode for like five years yeah. and never actually did set it, put it into block mode. But at least when you get popped, when it's in training mm-hmm. mode... You may have some
3: i r person come look at those logs and see when it happened <laughs>
1: yeah that's what i was, the comment I was gonna make on that too is we talked about the logging that they don't look at or the alarm that got ignored once you go through that i r how stupid do you feel when you're like, "Oh no, you're like it wasn't detected," and then you're like, "Oh no, it was detected, it was just ignored or totally missed right and then yeah, uh.
0: Or you have that the sim set up and your logs roll over every 24 hours <laughs> instead of like a, a, like a week or a month or something. So now it's like, oh, yeah, that happened two days ago. Well, not going to be able to see it now. Good luck. Because uh, they don't want to pay for the storage or the upgraded license. Yeah,
3: I know a lot of been a places, point. like I've seen Sysmon not installed more times than I care to remember because they don't want to set up Elastic Splunk or something. And it's like, well. It won't be like immediately valuable, but if you just installed Sysmon on your computers, at least you'll have that advanced logging for when something does happen, and then you'll be able to actually act on it. And they're like, well, someone could just clear the logs. I'm like, well, if someone clears the logs, that's like my favorite day because you told me something bad happened on this laptop, and now it's like a CTF to me. I'm going to dig into it relentlessly. If they don't clear the logs, I'm always going to question, are they on this? Right? It's until you get that smoking gun that something bad happened that's when you get like that passion that you won't let it drop, at least for me, right?
0: I love that. So we had that happen once at, my job, at one of my previous jobs. We're doing a release. Um, the DBA comes in. They sit down on the desk. They're doing something. Next thing you know, the whole system goes down. Everything goes down. And we're like, what the hell happened? So we go check the logs. The, the, the DBA is like, nope, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything yet. I was waiting for you guys, right, to tell me when to go. And we, so we go look at the logs to see what happened after we got everything back up and running. All the logs on the, on the databases were all cleared minutes after we went down. Suspicious. Yeah. I, I say. And they go, like, oh, it must have been a bug in a SQL server and it cleared the logs by accident. Really? <laughs> a bug in SQL server that cleared the logs and no one, about, no one online is going crazy like, talking about this. It has happened to our systems only. Okay. Yeah, I've never to seen two minutes out to write down. an attacker actually <laughs>
3: clear the logs. Nine times out of ten, I would say it's just employees. And the one time out of ten, <laughs> it's just someone did the wrong, like, did it unintentionally.
0: <laughs> well, I have, like, when I was doing some um, testing and stuff, I used to actually do, like, log. this, like, grab a bunch of um, log packets that was broadcast from before and just keep piling it in so that way you can overflood the um, log and hopefully get a, a turnover yeah. on the system. Um, so that's the, only, that's the most I ever did with logs. I didn't actually go through and try to freaking clear everything. Because that clearing the logs is a really, like in my opinion, is a clear indicator something is wrong. Yeah. Hey, our, our Elasticsearch memory went from 100 gigs to zero gigs real fast. What happened here? <laughs> like, or our systems, uh, all of a sudden, all our PCs have a lot of memory left um, freed up. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Listen,
2: clear clear and clear filter are too close to each other in some places.
0: I'm just (laughs) saying. That's all. That is true. I have done that on systems before by accident. Uh, But don't it normally when you hit clear logs, it prompts you still? You just have to cancel? uh, No, of course he was sure. He was definitely sure.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, I I like the conversation that's going on in chat too right now. How da, Moose is talking about playing the game of is it a threat
0: actor or is it an employee? <laughs> Nine out of ten is an employee yeah. who could who could also be a threat actor. Never know that's the insider. never yeah. hire yeah. never hire an employee named Tyler. Ever. <laughs> no one named Tyler is ever up to anything good. Uh that's my opinion so what do you, so what are you gonna um do for defcon since you're not going for the challenge you're just gonna do everything remotely yeah um, and just have
3: that's probably the ideal situation honestly because if i was at defcon i probably wouldn't be in the mental state to like make sure everything's still working
0: <laughs> yeah that and the cell the, the services that's awful wi-fi cell tower yeah just getting anything oh it's just awful so, how big is like how big is the actual challenge this year going to be for the red team? Uh, what are you doing? I would say probably about ten boxes. And they have what the same uh, was it forty eight hours or or something like that or is it? I can't remember how long the challenge is. It's been ages since I did any of that stuff.
3: Uh, I think it's going to be about twenty hours.
0: Um, oh, only twenty. Oh.
3: Because they, it's two rounds, so the actual like hands-on lab portion that's, is yeah. the second round. You have like the jeopardy round that filters a lot of people. Because if you want, like, if you took the deaf con crowd and threw them at um, a bunch of environments, that's like you'd have a denial of service almost immediately. You wouldn't need you there like spamming things to roll the logs because the logs would just roll automatically from two hundred people hammering at one box, right? So. Um, There's a Jeopardy round that goes beforehand to filter it out to a reasonable number of people to then go attack the environment. But there's a lot of fun things I'm throwing in that I'm excited about, but can't really talk about yet because it would be massive
0: spoilers to anyone that listens to this. Well, only spoilers are listened only for our audience (laughs) to be spoilers. I mean, (laughs) isn't that a perk of listening to this channel? It's like (laughs) you get these kind of spoilers. That's a little hint. Is there any little slim hint you can give them? That's a tiny one. No pressure. No pressure. I'm not gonna. Do, I'm not gonna kick you off. Yeah. Don't, no. I'm, <laughs> me
3: and a friend have spent way too long trying to figure out how to get Wi-Fi working without any hardware, in a good way. So just from within libvirt, VMware to be able to do like um, better cap and intercept wireless handshakes and do things. Which isn't hard, but I haven't really seen it done much in like CTFs or virtual environments without like having some type of USB thing plugged in, which doesn't scale. So doing that type of simulation has been challenging, but fun.
0: Yeah, I never seen a CTF with that before either. Um, But again, the last time I did a CTF was what, three years ago? So, or four years ago? So it's been some time. Um,
1: It's back before Wi-Fi existed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, you're older than me brandon I, or i am okay i believe i look pretty i, I want to look younger than you um i had a so there's a question from chat that i wanted to kind of go back a little bit yes. Ip had talked about um building with ansible and was trying to do some some low barrier to entry type videos and, and someone in chat had made a comment that he, that they would like to see some of the content around learning Ansible or using Ansible to automate a little bit of the uh, of the InfoSec lab environments. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So like two weeks ago, I put a playlist
3: on my channel of me building my parent Ansible playbook Um, because I did it in like video format. It's not going to be probably the best way to do it, but it is certainly a way If you watch the video, like I break everything into a lot of roles. So like there's a role for installing tools. There's a role for configuring um, my terminal. There's a role for um, Firefox and Burp Suite because I want to install extensions, export the certificate out of Burp Suite, import it into Firefox. I, I hate doing that. I always forget. So I have Ansible like handle all of that. So instead of just having some huge, overcomplicated YAML file, I broke a lot of things into a lot of smaller roles to make it easier to find what you're looking for, how to do. That's awesome.
0: That's perfect. So one thing I was always wanted to do when I, like I always wanted to create videos, I told you that before, was actually just create one where you do your CTF with custom tool development only. So you're writing all your tools from Python from the ground up for everything, from port scanning to like um doing a, per, a burp kind of simulation thing where it's doing a packet capturing using like man in the middle and then we and all that fun stuff um yeah this is curious so, like do you ever think that something like that would be some people would be interested in something like that or or would you be interested in doing something like that I would I don't know how you'd really enforce that um a
3: funny way to go about the- that would be to do everything in IPv6 because you'd be surprised at how many tools break on IPv6 <laughs> I'm pretty like I'm fairly confident SQL map won't work out of the box on IPv6. It may have like got patched within the last three or four years, but I remember having to do that one time and then using Burp Suite to stand up as a like proxy to do IPv4 to IPv6 to get SQL map working. But um if you've ever thrown something through Burp Suite, like a fuzzer, you'll know how much slower it goes.
0: Yeah, but I was thinking more of creating training videos, so that way the average person could learn tool development. Yeah. Because one thing, like, I remember when I was doing OSCP, that's what I did was just create custom tools because I was I was so scared. I'm like, I don't know what tools I'm allowed to use. And it kind of, like, it just gives you, like, a, here's some tools don't use. And it's like, uh, I'm just going to write everything in Python. And when I did that, I got back, the feedback I got back from them was, oh, this is a custom tool. Can you show your code, blah, blah, blah. blah. And they, I sent source code and everything um they say they don't normally me see that i'm like why well, why is more people not doing it like it's so much fun to write your own tools and break it i mean it's not going to be as good as production tools so this is not meant yeah. to replace any production tools whatsoever but it's just fun to know the inner workings of how these tools work and just have fun with them and just go crazy and see what you can do especially when you enter an environment where you, you can't install an executable and you can only use like scripting languages to then do a bunch of your um some of your um discovery and reconnaissance and stuff like that. So Yeah, I tried I don't know.
3: I like that idea. I tried to do something similar a long time ago. The issue I ran into, I'm really bad at coding and no one wants to watch me for three or four hours. Or if they do want to watch me, I don't want to record it. Um but like my biggest complaint is like how a lot of API hacking is taught. It's just like they never go and teach how an API actually works. They just build these random web pages that aren't real apis they're like just php files that there's like you're attacking this it has no actual graphical user interface i'm going to call this an api and then say take your web like your normal web hacking and apply it to it it's not going on the back end teaching you like the technologies the api uses and ways around it and i think that's one of the critical things missing um I planned on revisiting that later in the year thanks to copilot. I think I may be able to code quickly or maybe just learn how to tell the a i to code it for me um I've had a lot of fun with copilot in my recent videos of just being able to be like, I don't know how to do this. I think it's on Saturday one drops so where I'm doing like a cross site scripting thing and you have to play with the user's browser, steal the c s r. f. token and a year ago, it would be me fumbling around with regex trying to figure out how to do it or read the um, document element properties to get this value out. But I just did like slash slash grab the authenticity underscore token. And then it just spit out a uh, simple regex for me to use. And it almost worked out of the box. But um,
0: it was super hey, nice. If you need a developer, <laughs> if you need a developer to help you, let me know. I would love to uh, team up and you know, you could do your training. I'll just help you write all the code, or write like create an API from the ground up, and just stand it up there and release all the code, open yeah. source to everyone. Um Because I, I just, I don't know. I just find that there's not too many developers out there in the in the in the security field, and it's becoming more of a dying art. And everyone's just using turnkey solutions. Yeah. It's like, oh, I get it. I get it. It's affordable. It's cheaper. And you know, but like just me and my gripe.
3: Going back at like the Pydantic thing I mentioned earlier. Um I was recreating like a no SQL injection on a web app. And I one of my favorite things about doing it and creating those things is just learn all the new technologies and I wanted to do no SQL injection, but I didn't want to write javascript. So, I did it in FastAPI because I'm much more confident with Python. And then I found out FastAPI is not defaultly vulnerable to mongodb injection because of Pydantic, because you can't do any like the whole i wouldn't say the whole purpose of Pydantic is but the whole purpose of it towards me and what i find beneficial out of it is it takes out like the type juggling type of attacks because if you don't know like um sql injection no sql you have to um give it objects instead of strings and javascript will happily you give it an object it treats it as an object and you can do that injection but when it came to trying and do it in fast API, just grabbing um, the bad code off stack overflow slash chat GPT. I gave it the object and it said, I'm expecting a string and did not process it. So then I had to go find out how to bypass Pydantic on that method in order to make an injectable because we wanted to be able to inject it and knowing, oh, I can't really just shoot myself in the foot as easily in this language. Um, it's good to know for the future, right so now in the future if I'm ever doing like a web pen test against a python app that I know uses some type of nosqL, I may not go dig into that rabbit hole as much if I notice they're using some type of input validation because it's just not going to be as easily type juggle slash confusion whatever it's called
0: yeah I mean again no j s is all fun too um but all that stuff we get. I could definitely help you. if you any help in that yeah. stuff. Um, we created, because I think I just released a, oh, no, I deleted my repo, but I think I sh- I don't know if I deleted the repo for a vulnerable website, or that I just send it out to you guys for a copy for you guys to look at, right? Yeah, that's all in Node.js. It's a vulnerable website. You can do all kinds of fun stuff, like SQL injection, uh, cross-site scripting, reflection, all that stuff. It's, it's all in there, um, yeah, I love to just because that's the thing is I like to just release that stuff and have people play with it, mess around and just learn this, learn security. I mean, it's, to me, that's the fun, that's the best part of being security. It's training other people, teaching them, giving them that that stepping stone so they could go and get that inquisitiveness and just well, just start breaking, causing havoc. Uh, maybe I like that, or I just want to see the world, world, the world burn. <laughs> One of those two things. Um, <laughs> Why not both? I never know. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. So what other CTFs are you working? On? What other CTFs are you working on for this year? you have anything else planned up? I don't believe so. Um, I just want to...
3: I just always enjoy building things because you always learn those weird things. Um, And it's... What I try to show a lot in my videos is almost every time after I solve a box, I try to go and find something else that's interesting about it because almost every time the author is going to do something that you can still learn from and how they set the software up or how the software works. Like... I think once you solve the challenge, it's only halfway, right? There's so many other things you could do. You could look into installing mod security to see if the default rules would block you. Um, there was something recently, probably like four to five months ago that I did that. I was like, mod security should have blocked me here. And then I realized the way they did the um, encoding, the num- like the order they had the rules was wrong. So they would like mm. do URL decoding and then base sixty-four decoding when it needed to be the other way around because it would it wouldn't be like I'll try to base sixty-four then URL decode it wouldn't try all the rules consistently it was just left to right not uh, maybe recursively is the right word where it goes left to right then left to right until um, no rules hit right yep. so just finding the order there and that was a fun thing to find and get fixed.
0: So what was your favorite box you ever, you ever um, cracked open on a CTF? Like what was your, and how long did it take you to actually get into there, get into it?
3: Well, uh, I would guess my favorite box is from like the beginning of Hack the Box. It was called Sneaky. And my favorite thing about it is it taught me a lot about IPv6 and also what Link Local meant um i've always known like link local addresses on ipv4 i think it's like 169 154 that like ip address that windows gives you when you don't have dhcp and you get frustrated um yep the ipv6 one um wow now that i'm talking about it i forgot what link local how it begins is it like <laughs> it's not ffe right um ipv6
0: link um, i don't know i I don't know if I ever did the Box Sneaky. I'm trying to think if I ever did that one or not. Have you done that I, one, Brandon? I know you're starting to get into uh, CTFs now on Hack the Box. No,
1: I haven't. Um, you remember, that there, Like you had like a thousand points or something, and I had zero points because I only do like the free boxes. <laughs> so it is the IPv6 link local is those ones that begin
3: with FE80 that you see all the time when you do like IP address or if config. And I always thought, like, link local was 127.001. Like, that's loopback. There's a reason it's called differently. Yeah. Link local just means if you're on the same broadcast domain, which means if there's not, like, a gateway in between, you can talk to it. So the path... Yeah,
0: if, this, if you have a hub setup.
3: Yeah. yeah. So the path for Sneaky was you're supposed to find SNMP, and then SNMP used to link the IPv6 address. Well, I never scanned UDP on my NMAP. So I just kept digging at it, digging at it. And I was like, well, maybe it's on IPv6. I saw a hint that it was IPv6. I still didn't think to go to SNMP. So I started looking into Link Local, realizing, oh, if I'm on the same subnet. And then I was looking at, wait, I know the link local address sometimes is based on the MAC address. So um I tried that. And then I eventually found out if I did a like broadcast ping from another box I pwned. I would see that would reach back to me i could get it and then i could talk to it over the link local address talk to it over ipv6 and pwn the box that way without ever finding the routable ipv6 one um and that's been i've used that lateral movement before on other engagements just because a lot of times ipv6 is ignored
0: so um well that brings up another question like sometimes i see ctf boxes like when i was doing them like they're nice, but they're kind of not realistic. How many boxes, like how many of the boxes have you been, have you seen lately that are more realistic to attack patterns or attack, um, you know, like different attack attacks you can use in the wild? So,
3: um, I'm gonna be biased when I answer this because I do work for Hack the Box and we put out boxes every week. Um, I'll probably I would say 14 out of 15 boxes come from the community, which means we don't create them, but we have our hand in everything that we get released. So when someone submits a box to us, um, it goes to what we call the release committee, which means like me, OXDF, Arkanoid, TRX, a bunch of the senior people that have been around Hack the Box for years, reviews the write-up. And when we review the write-up, we look for a lot of things we don't like. And the biggest thing to me that like is my pet peeve is um, like note dot text or just talking to the player. Uh, it it's great. I used to like it. Like if you went. 10 years ago and talk to me that was like how i thought you should do boxes but i think every time you break like the fourth wall talk to the player you rob them of the ability to do recon and when you do that you're making it not realistic so we always try to find ways that we go back to the author and tell them we don't like this aspect if you remove it make sure this works and that will be somewhat realistic um a lot of the other things we do like Um, we get a lot of, we reject a lot of boxes that just have random pwn binaries or some script on it that they're supposed to run, like piece by or something, discover the script and exploit. And we generally will reject over that nowadays because everything needs a purpose for it to be on. Um, it may not be a good purpose. Like maybe that script is just there to look at a database entry, do something, but we always try to make a complete story when we do it and also try our best not to talk to the players because there's so many different ways that you can think outside of the box and do something. Like if you do note.txt and say, Hey, um, this file appeared on the server in this directory, look at this directory. Well, they could also look at timestamps. They could um, maybe find something in a Vim history file. Like the whole forensic aspect gets lost on players. And I think that's one of the most important ones. And the players that, do understand that and don't just run like Linpeas and instead do find commands and filter based upon modify times will typically find a lot of the solves like they'll progress a lot quicker. Um I know the top teams used to get a lot of unintendeds because of event logging in Windows. We were bad at clearing like PowerShell history and always discovering Windows had a PowerShell history in yet another location that we just didn't know about. Um, <laughs> So now we clear those, but again, like you'd be surprised at how much IR can help your offensive game. If you just start using it and looking at it.
0: Um, yeah. I remember when I was, um, back when I was doing a uh, hack the box, I forgot how many years ago that was, um, there was one where we were hacking, we were getting in the box and yeah, they didn't clear the history Yeah, and get to see exactly what they did. Like, Oh, well, there's the answer right there. Just reverse everything. Boom. Yep. Done. Um, uh, yeah, that was funny as hell. Um, and then I reached out, I'm like, was that the way we're supposed to hack this box? And they're like, No. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but then you also have boxes like I know some people who are doing the OSCP or doing some other um certifications, where they come to me and they tell me about the box they were doing. And I'm just like, That's not very realistic. I don't know why they were I don't think it was OSCP. What was it, Brandon, that you were going for? Subset you're going for. Oh, was that it? was the um the T C M one, the P
1: N P T so I was probably and doing then, some of the CTFs. Yeah, because I did. Yeah, when you I did a few, and I think I was telling you about some that I was playing with in Hack the Box, and um, what what Ip was just saying about about hints and and such in in the gamification of it made me realize that a lot of times people tend to say, "Yeah, go to try hack me and go to hack the box." Uh, those two platforms seem to be incredibly different because try hack me to me is what I needed when I first started. It's like, hey, I want to learn more about Windows exploits. And I kind of just want to be walked through, right? Yeah. I want somebody to I mean, it's essentially like watching one of Ips videos while I'm doing it right instead of just attempting to do it totally blind. So I think that's where some of those difference differences come on those two platforms. It's just a little bit in the mentality of how how they're set up.
3: Yeah, and hack the box has the same mode up to easy. Um so there's something that's called guided mode now that's like question and answer. Oh so um they'll just guide you along. So if you don't want to watch the video, don't follow the write-up. It'll have questions like how many ports are open? Um, okay, I know need I know I need to run Nmap. Um, what type of vulnerability is this vulnerable to you? And if you do if you're struggling, you can just guess like SQL command injection. And then you'll guess it and you're like, okay, now I know to start trying these things. And um, I think that I'm not positive if me does it. But what we do is um, that placeholder text is masked correctly to the answer. So if it's SQL injection, you'll see three stars and then probably eight stars. is I think injection's eight characters. But um, so you can look at the answer and kind of metagame it that way. Some people view it as cheating. But as long as you're on the platform, doesn't matter what platform and doing something. I think that is infinitely better than being called a cheater or whatever, because you're learning, right? That's, I think that's going to be the hardest thing that people have nowadays that I didn't have when I was learning. This is just the amount of resources out there and how hard it can be to get started because it's human nature to try to do something, the best, most optimal path, right? Mm We're following the footsteps of someone else and, I would say the footsteps you follow, like, I did OSCP like 2015, 2016, maybe 2014, I forget what year it was, but if you follow my exact path, it's no longer a good path. Just because I did it that way doesn't mean that you should. Probably half the sites I used and stuff are just no longer available, right? So instead of just spending two months of trying to find the best way to learn this type of attack, just go and set a small goal to say... I'm going to do one room or one machine a week, and we're going to go for two or three months and see where I'm at three months from now, right? If you set the small attainable goal, I think that's going to be much more realistic. And it does you'll find out you don't need a structure. You can just wing it and have great results, right? That's what we're kind of talking about before this show, just internally. We're like, do we have anything we want to talk about? Uh, Well, if we did, we'll probably get frustrated five, 10 minutes after it, be like, we didn't go to plan. Right. Just wing it and great like discussion will come same with learning. Right. As long as you're doing something, it's infinitely better than just sitting on discord, Reddit, Twitter, threads, whatever you're on. Um, just it's hard to do that. Right. It's just like it's hard to go to the gym. I, Like the very first time you go to the gym, you probably won't want know. to go the second time you feel like crap, your muscles hurt. Right. But if you start doing it, you get a routine down, you're doing it for like four to five weeks. That's when you're not going to want to break the rhythm and you're going to keep at it. And you probably won't notice results, but you'll be doing it long enough where you will eventually. Right. It probably takes two to three months to actually notice
0: any type of good result. I give it five minutes. If I don't notice the results <laughs> out in five minutes, I'm done. That's it. Uh, just just close the box and
1: start a new box. right? Yeah. You know. And I ran in, no, in but, uh, I'm not familiar with these services. I'm, I, we're just going to do the next one.
0: I have an end map and sometimes is this when you, unless you're using a paid description of hack the box, it is very brutal. Sometimes using the box through map do the in-depth scan and end map. It just takes forever. But I mean, that's one thing I learned is just like, just do it when no one else is around like this, this time everything. So you get get the service you need when no one else is around and just go after it. Um, so what I'm just curious, what is your favorite end map um, looks like? What, like, what do you normally do when you do an end map scan? Like, do you go for the full, like, give me your OS, give me your signatures, let me look for everything, let um, me scan all the ports, or do you kind of, like, just go for the known ports kind of uh, concept and then work your way down?
3: Um, most of the time, I will, if I'm doing a box blindly, I'll generally just hit it over 80 or something. And I would say nine times out of 10, there's some type of website. So I get to the website and then just do the default end map of SCSV to do... um basic script scanning and then once I start getting into a roadblock don't know what to do that's when I look oh and map is finished right if I do 80 and I can't hit it that's when I'll probably do um a dash p dash I'll start off with and then also do dash v so it shows me open ports as it finds them um I may do like a dash dash min rate and change the min rate to like 10,000 packets per second if I'm really antsy but even when I do that, I typically go back and run it slowly, just because when you do things that fast, um, it's going to miss things. It won't miss them every time, which is frustrating. But it's the reason why I like Nmap over other tools like rust uh, scanner or things like that, because uh, just because a tool can go fast doesn't mean it should go fast, right? If you use like scan on a corporate network and scan the slash 24 at max threads, there's a high chance that you can cause an outage, especially if they have like site to site VPNs and bad firewalls, things like that. Like you never know what's going to happen. Right. And um, map at its default is going to be relatively safe. But I mean, if you hit a printer, there's always the chance that you may knock that thing offline because printers are fra- pretty fragile devices. But um, yeah, printer sucks. Going fast is not really always the best. Suck.
0: Yeah, so one thing I, always, like, I like to do is I like to do like a light scan of all yeah. of the known ports and everything. And then I like to kind of like rank the ports by common, you know, uncommon, but you're still known. So known ports, uncommon, and then rare ports. Like they're using 10,999. That's not a very known port. And I, I like to just categorize things and then spend 15 minutes just looking at each category and just kind of like robin, round robbing it. Like keep going around and then until I find something more important because I tend to run into rabbit holes. Like I, if I if I if I don't have a time limit, I will keep going and diving deep. And with CTFs, that's like the the kiss of death, right? You never want to spend too much time in one area unless you know this is the exact way of um, exploit. Otherwise, you're going to end up with those rabbit holes that people like to put in there and there's two days of gone and you're still working on the box <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah,
3: if I saw a 1099, though, I'd probably go to that one first. Isn't that like Java RMI?
0: I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done a CTF in like 10, in like four years. I stopped doing that. Um, once, I, uh, you know, once my wife told me, like, hey, you need to cut back on all your hobbies. Uh, I, I have too many hobbies, way too many hobbies apparently. Yeah,
3: 1099 so, is one of those ports yeah. that you just open up MS Metasploit at that point and
0: throw it at it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm on the fence with Metasploit. I mean, I love this tool. I just hate that it's written in Ruby. I'm not a big Ruby fan. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, yeah. you can have Python
0: and GoLang um, extensions to it now. I know, but it's just, why did it not write in Python to begin with? Like, really, Ruby?
3: I mean, uh, it could still be Perl. I mean, Metasploit was first done in Perl, and then it moved. You're you're making
2: moose. You're making moose sad (laughs) with your Ruby Ruby slander here.
0: Sorry, I'm not a Ruby fan. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not a Java fan either. For those out there, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss two sets of people off. I don't like Java unless unless he's in a coffee cup, and um, and I don't like Ruby. So,
3: but he likes JavaScript.
0: Yes. I do like JavaScript. I, I know. I'm, I'm a weird guy.
2: Understatement well, Java, of the year. JavaScript
0: is, I, I like JavaScript, and I like Python. Those are my two favorite things I like to mess with because they're scripting languages that you can do so much with. They're so versatile. That's the reason I like them. Um, I also like C, C plus. I mean, C sharp uh, and C plus. Uh, no C plus. Nah, C I like C better than C plus plus. But anyway, that's just me. Don't shake it. Don't, don't, don't judge me.
2: I noticed no PowerShell came out of that. That's just that's all I'm
0: saying. <laughs> have you worked in PowerShell? You have, so yes. you know why. <laughs> <laughs> the only scripting language where half of it is not documented properly, <laughs> and though half that is documented, you have to kind of you have to second guess it sometimes. Like I was just going through and I was like, hey, I need to clean up this PowerShell script. So I'm gonna add error actions on stuff. Oh, error actions, even though it's documented, it should work, actually does not exist for this commandlet that I was trying to use it for. <laughs> even though Microsoft insists that it exists. Thank you, Microsoft. Thank you for your consistency and inconsistency.
1: I'm,
0: the consistent and, in, and inconsistent. How does Dev get on,
1: on right. his soapbox about, about languages every single week? like we I feel like hey <laughs> we go through this hey, you talk up you talk about ad every single week so somebody mentions like hey a tool was written in ruby and he's like oh <laughs> i hate ruby and everything to do with it i do talk about ad all the time
3: i actually don't think we talked about ad in the past hour
1: we haven't nope. really touched on it too much nope. we we said golden well, we said golden we ticket a box. we talked about golden tickets yeah <laughs> okay, there you go Sean uh
0: um, we said the word into yeah uh, i will
3: correct. say going back to the whole like forensic timestamp thing one of my favorite things to do and just other ad labs that people create not saying this is for like certification purposes but maybe it is um like domain users can see the last password set of accounts so mm-hmm. looking at the last password set of accounts in ctfs is always fun because if it's either right when the lab was provisioned chances are you may want to get to that account if it's just one password that is oddly older than all the others, you may want to password spray that password because it may be a weak one. Um, it's just get, kind of getting into the mind and metagaming it a little bit, looking at that type of detail.
0: Yeah, I've done I've yeah, done a that. really simple command to do it, too. Actually, Trimark has a tool written in PowerShell that can help you probably with CTFs in Windows AD environments. I bet it can. You're talking yeah,
2: about it the... Gives you all
0: kinds of Go
2: ahead. Talking about invoke Trimark AD check.
0: Yep. That probably could help you with because it gives you that information the bad password count information, as well as the bad password last time. I mean, not bad password, the last uh, password time set. Set for your password, all kinds of stuff. Yep. It does give, give you last bad password
3: check. too, doesn't it? That's in there. I, it always it amazes so. me how much information is available to domain users.
0: Yeah, it's more than necessary. And yeah, Way I more. never understood why they. I never understood why they let that information out there. Like you can even check ACLs on certain levels of um objects, and it's just like, why do you need to check all this as a domain user? I mean, like, why do you have this level of granularity into the systems? But huh. I don't even know why a domain user even needs to pull a list
3: of all other users or look at members of administrators.
0: <laughs> well, th- they need that if they have Exchange, definitely. Otherwise, um, the that address book wouldn't work. Yeah, the address book wouldn't work.
3: I mean, they okay. could just query the you, you, gallon you. directly.
0: <laughs> exactly. But I mean, other than that, I mean, a lot of stuff. Yeah.
3: And Exchange I mean, is going it away. It's me. all Office 365 Azure now.
2: <laughs> uh, uh,
1: it's,
0: it's, been, no it's been going
1: away for 10 years. Yeah. And it will continue to so, be going away.
0: <laughs> you mean like hey, you, you mean like classic ASP has been going away for like the last three yes. years? And it's still around? Yes. Oh, man. God damn it. Speak another language I don't like.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, the biggest competitor to mail is now over, like, I would guess the biggest, like, user base of Exchange is probably going to be governments, right? That aren't on the cloud yet. But their competitor, like, the only other big email provider I know is, like, IBM Lotus Notes, which is no longer IBM. It's a company in India. So Microsoft doesn't really have any competitor to Exchange. So if they wanted to kill it, where would you go? Like what other on-premise email can you use? Well, you could try it
2: like
0: yeah. Zimbra? Zimbra, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That definitely... Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about on-premise, yeah, there's definitely not too many yeah. options out there. If any, I mean, as a as a, as I say, I wouldn't even want to implement another another email solution. Oh my God, that sounds so awful and so painful. And I know why all the essays drink so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I didn't um, think like Microsoft would introduce until Hyper V so quick. Is not Hyper V gone?
0: Mm, or is that still is it? I didn't think it was. No, I think it's still there. Like you could, st- I don't think they uh, they recommend it as a like virtualization server, but they recommend it as a virtualization client on machine for like um, like virtual like. Um, V- virtual box or something like that or uh workstation or vm workstation similar to that
3: yeah it looks like they deprecated in 2019 and say it won't be available after
0: 2029. oh wow uh, cool that's nice to me i didn't know that's that. interesting there will too, still cause...
3: be there will still be people confused when it yeah. goes away they'll
2: be like what you've got 10 years Come uh, on.
0: doesn't
1: uh, I, doesn't I, defender I... use some of that for some of its sandboxing too like doesn't it, it use
3: I yeah, think they'll still they keep, Android, like, the Android. virtualization stuff under the hood. So, like, credential guard, all that type of goodness. Yeah. But I think they're just getting rid of, like, the VMware player aspect of Hyper-V.
0: Gotcha. I thought Microsoft moved all the sandboxing off now. It offloaded to some of it to the cloud for the EDR solution that they created, whatever the Defender APT thing is called. Well, oh,
3: yeah. um, like, there's the whole concept of, I think it's credential guard. It may be another thing that they call where, like, LSAS doesn't run in the same memory space as your current operating system. There's just a like middleware that you could then query LSAS with. So things like Mimicats can't dump the memory space because it's in a different hypervisor. Like I don't see that going away. But I don't think of that as Hyper V. Even though like it's stemmed from Hyper V, yeah. that's just like virtualization technology. Like um,
0: Yeah, you know, VRAM. Yeah. Kind of um, systems. Yep. Oh shucks. We're almost near the hour. I didn't even realize it. Um, so I forgot what we do now. Is it called Things You're Happy? What is it called, Jake? I, I don't know what Danny calls it or you called it.
2: I think he said wins of the week. And I'm like I don't know that I'm a big fan oh, of really? that. It's just you know, like happy, happy times to go out.
0: So you can't you don't like bad things? Is that what you're saying? Are you are you uh Me? emotionless? Personally? Yeah. Emotionless? Emotion, yeah. Yeah.
2: I love that. Wins of the week. Let's just stick with that. If you got any wins this week, things that, that went well, that, that are uh, you know, making you feel good. And if you don't, something that sucked this week.
3: That's fine, too. I ran better cap and got a WPA handshake without a single wireless device. That was
0: That exciting. is actually really interesting. We'll have to talk more after this uh, <laughs> after <the> show. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brandon? All right, Brandon, you're
1: next. Um, I'm excited to get out of town this weekend, so I'm, uh, I'm not drinking on happy hour because I've got to be driving here shortly, so.
0: Yeah, but if you're driving with family, you're supposed to be drinking, I thought. I'll drink when I get there. Isn't that how? Okay. Not while you're driving, before you drive. Oh, drink beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that way you're not drinking and driving. Isn't that how that
1: works? Um, only in Missouri.
0: Oh, Okay. This explains I why do you, not condone drinking or driving at all. Yes. The only time I do drinking before driving is because I don't drive anymore. Period. So I'm allowed to. Okay. I do not condone people drinking before driving or operating heavy machinery in any way, shape, or form. All right, Jake, your turn. Uh,
2: Winds of the week are just you know being somewhere else, as you can tell by my different background. And uh, trying to work. And I don't, I don't think I like it, actually. You know What, what did I work? Three days this week? And two days off and it's not it loses the, the flow, loses the, the momentum for the week. So uh but you know, just being here and being out and, and being able to get in the water and see nature and that sort of thing is always
0: always you a good do, week. Uh, four day week. Like uh work Monday through Thursday and take Friday off.
2: I think maybe next year yes. that's what we'll do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dev?
0: What so you my got? win my win of the week is, uh, it's actually not a win, it's a confusion of the week for me. I'm going to, mine's is confusion of the week. I'm looking to put a home generator in my house, and I thought it was a simple process, getting some quotes. No. No, it's not. It is not a simple process. It's like mind-numbingly painful sometimes to work with contractors and get things and get permits and figure out if you're allowed to put a pipe over a grass window or not and all this other nonsense. So mine's is confusion of the week. That's what it is. It's just like my, my head hurts talking from these contractors.
3: Have you talked to the power um, company yet?
0: It, oh, God, I, doing, I have that call <laughs> because I may or may not have to upgrade my gas, my, um, my gas meter. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, exactly. That's been my week. I thought this was going to be like, hey, get a couple, couple quotes, sign a check, call it a day. No, it is not that simple. So <sighs> well, that's what I'm dealing with. If anyone recommends any uh, generator companies out there that's in the upper New York state area, please let me know. Uh, I'm having a hard time finding a good one. So apparently, one actually is nice. All right, so we're gonna call that a wrap. Uh, you guys have any, anything you wanna say before we go offline?
2: Uh, come to Trimark for all your AD, Entra ID and VMware security assessment needs.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess we should do that, right? The company we work for that pays the check and allows us to do this, yeah. Yeah. And don't forget uh, Hack the Box with Ip, man. Yeah, Yeah, Hack the Box. If you haven't done Hack the Box, you have not, you, I don't know what to tell you. Hack the Box is amazing. VIP Plus member uh, right here. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be a member, and then it's just like, it's too, after I got into the top 10, I was like, that's good enough for me. I'm done. I'm going to back away from this. Um, But it was so much fun. It's a blast. It's a great community chat service. You can talk to people, get to um, hone your skills and really uh, meet good people who just all love to do the exact same thing you're doing, hacking boxes legally and learning stuff as you go. So that's always a fun times. All right. That's our week. Later. Take care.